0: Thank you so much, Elder Bastian, for starting us off in a, a good way. Uh, Elder Bastian told me he hails from the First Nation Pekani on uh, in Treaty Six territory, and I'm just delighted that he started us off with a note of hope and optimism. And I'm pleased to be here with Mike Ellis, Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, and a group of people representing organizations who have done so much to support our vulnerable populations. I should also acknowledge, I see Mayor Jody Gondek is here as well for us today in this announcement. Thank you for for, show, for being here, Mayor. But we have Paul Brandt from Not In My City. You've just heard from Elder Bastion. He's also known by his Blackfoot name. Uh, Buffalo Bullshield. I think I got it. You'll have to say it in the, in the proper language of Paul. Jan Fox from Reach Edmonton. Marlene Orr from Native Counseling Services of Alberta, and April Eve Weiberg of the Mikisew Cree First Nation. Seeing so many people and organizations coming together for a just cause reminds me of the old saying about how evil only triumphs when good people do nothing. Well, not here, not in Alberta. In Alberta, good and decent people are fighting the stain of human trafficking. It's a sick trade run by sick individuals for sick ends. It persists in the shadows, destroying the bodies and minds of vulnerable, innocent people, mostly women and girls, and often Indigenous people. And Alberta's government is doing its part to end this disgrace. Unfortunately, we don't need to look too far for evidence of human trafficking in Alberta Earlier this month, work by the Alberta Law Enforcement Response Team resulted in three individuals from Edmonton facing numerous human trafficking charges. In May, a Calgary man was charged with multiple offences, including charges related to human trafficking. In February, an Edmonton man was charged with multiple offences, including trafficking in persons. These three examples alone include over 20 identified victims, with police and organizations trying to identify and support dozens of victims. We can't afford to close our eyes to this problem, and we can't afford to ignore those who are at risk of being trafficked or those who have been trafficked. That's why we will be implementing, tw- uh, we will be spending $22 million over the next three years to implement the recommendations of Alberta's Human Trafficking Task Force, which, as you know, was chaired by Paul Brandt. One of those recommendations was setting up the Alberta Office to Combat Trafficking in Persons. This office shouldn't be necessary. And hopefully one day we will no longer need it. But until that time, this office will bring together survivors of human trafficking with community partners like social services providers and indigenous organizations who are best positioned to help find a way out and a path forward. Our goal is to create a hybrid model that extends across the province, disrupting and dissolving trafficking networks while helping survivors to recover and rebuild. To succeed, we need to understand survivors' stories and gather insights that help survivors escape and heal. We also need more comprehensive on-the-ground information about how human traffickers operate and how they hide their activities so that we can stop them in their tracks. The Alberta Office to Combat Trafficking in Persons will combine these approaches, allowing everyone involved to share knowledge so that we can better protect victims, survivors and others at risk of exploitation. Through this office with our partners, we are joining forces to stamp out the trade in human flesh and misery because no one should have their lives derailed into sex work exploited for labour or trafficked for body parts. No one who has endured this trauma should be left to suffer in silence. And no family should be left to wonder what happened to their loved ones. Justice, compassion and reconciliation demand action to fight human trafficking and support survivors. New and improved responses are on the way through this office and the people in it. And now I would like to ask Minister Mike Ellis to share more details.
1: Well, good morning ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Despite the rain, this is actually a great day. It is a beautiful day in Calgary. And uh, thank you to Premier Smith, um, all the wonderful people. This is truly uh, something I always talk about, uh, you know, being a role model uh, on anything that we do, whether it be the mental health and addictions we do in the law enforcement community. And this is no different uh, in being a role model uh, for really the rest of Canada, if not North America, to really follow suit. So I'm obviously grateful to be joined by such amazing partners that have been involved with our government's focus on combating human trafficking over the past years. Specifically, we're here with Paul Brandt, founder of Not In My City. Sir, thank you for your endless um, compassion to helping uh, young people, uh, helping anyone who's the victim of human trafficking. And uh, just God bless you, sir. Thank you. He and his team have been uh, great partners in the fight against human trafficking. He also chaired Alberta's Human Trafficking Task Force, as mentioned by the Premier. Uh, Marlene Orr with uh, Native Counseling Services of Alberta. We are so grateful to have you here uh, with us uh, in all your advocacy to help uh, people uh, involved with human trafficking. Jan Fox with Reach Alberta. I know I saw you and spoke to you as well. Thank you for your uh, hard work in the community. I want to welcome April Eve Weiberg and thank her for being here with us today, along with so many community partners who have increased awareness in human trafficking. Oftentimes this isn't an issue that is thought about in places like Alberta, but we need to understand that trafficking happens and it happens here and in many forms. The real, uh, this is a real issue uh, and we need to do our part to disrupt it, and in fact, stop it. The main categories of human trafficking include labor and sex and tissue and organs. This new office will be an important resource for those impacted and entire communities. As we know, one of the best ways to disrupt human trafficking is to raise awareness. That is going to be a primary focus of the new Alberta Office to Combat Trafficking in Persons. In addition, it will uh, offer an important uh, frontline resource uh, that is uh, providing supportive, uh, support to victims and survivors by connecting them with community resources. That's why we have partnered with expert organizations uh, here with us today as they operate uh, this new office. Human trafficking in any form is fueled by secrecy, and we're not going to allow that to happen in Alberta. The actions of criminal groups and individuals in secrecy is targeting some of the most vulnerable uh, people in our society, and that is unacceptable. As a former Calgary police officer myself, I can tell you that uh, the cases involving human trafficking are some of the worst that I saw during my career. And that's why today's announcement is so important for albertans just as we're uh, treating other issues uh, we're taking a holistic uh, collaborative approach to tackling this daunting challenge so while boots on the ground are indeed a key piece on how we will fight human traffickers we're also making a big investment in the supports that uh, the alberta office to combat trafficking of persons will offer uh, we are confident the office will lead to victims and survivors uh, having better access to supports that they need to deal with the trauma so that they can live happy and healthy lives again. At the same time, I'm eager to uh, talk about and help to uh, provide this information to make our law enforcement uh, bodies that even make them more effective in their efforts to uproot human trafficking and organizations and their activities This office is of course uh, just the latest in what has become a lengthy list of steps that our government has taken over the past four years. It started with the commitment uh, to a nine-point action plan to combat human trafficking, uh, which uh, are are all completed or at least underway. It uh, continued with the passing of the uh, Protecting Survivors of Human Trafficking Act, legislation to make it easier for survivors to get protection orders and for police to take uh, quicker action to rescue survivors and much, much more. Then there was the Alberta, Alberta's uh, Human Trafficking Task Force, uh, which did an amazing job connecting uh, directly with survivors and experts uh, to provide helpful recommendations to improve our efforts to undo trafficking networks and, uh, and protect victims. And now, based on those recommendations, we find ourselves setting up this new office as part of a three-year, $22 million investment that we're making in this fight. This is real progress for people who need it, and we are not finished yet. We're grateful to be working with the experts in these vital community organizations and look forward to providing you with updates along the way. I encourage you to to keep those affected by these crimes in your mind as we approach the World Day Against Trafficking in Persons this Sunday, July the 30th. We're committed to doing our part, but we need collective awareness, understanding and action to end human trafficking. So thank you. Thank you to everyone for being here to show uh, your support on this very, very important day. And with that, I'd like to introduce April Eve Weiberg, a survivor of human trafficking to come to the podium.
2: Thank you. And uh, thank you to Elder Leonard for your prayer and your blessing this morning. Well, I am really, truly blessed to be here, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Good morning, friends. I would like to acknowledge some very special people in my life. They're a part of my uh, support circle. I have uh, my son here with me, Okichitao, and my partner, Winston, um, my dear friend, Bernadette, uh, Leah, uh, Liz, and... Uh, I don't see where they are. Liz and um, Kate with the Center to End All Sexual Exploitation. Oh my God, you're staying right beside me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And uh, of course my brother from another mother, Buffalo Bull Shield, uh, some of you know him as Paul Brandt, and the Not In My City team. Loving a survivor is not easy. Our healing journeys can be messy, filled with often out of nowhere triggers responses, and flashbacks. We are much like an onion with many complicated layers. 17 years ago, I was self liberated from sexual exploitation. Before then, I almost spent a decade of my life being sold in cities across Western Canada and the United States. In cities such as Edmonton, Fort McMurray, Saskatoon, Vancouver, Las Vegas, and New York City. When I was first targeted and groomed, I was taught to hide my, my indigenous identity because I was told that the sex buyers, if they found out about this, that I would be more likely to be beaten, robbed, raped, or murdered. It was in New York City where I was being sold by an organized crime ring. I had almost succumbed to the violence and exploitation until a good friend who knew what I had been involved in but who was also involved in the illicit drug trade, bought me a one-way plane ticket back to Canada. Today I know that if I did not leave New York City when I did, that I would have died there, most likely becoming a Jane Doe, a murdered Indigenous woman with no one to come find or identify me. Because of my childhood and intergenerational trauma, I was hurt, insecure, and angry, I was disconnected from my family and my culture, and I did not know my worth. I was taught by my pimps and exploiters that all I had to offer were my looks and my body. It was just a few years ago that I thought I was not even worthy of wearing a ribbon skirt like the one I'm wearing today. Because of what had happened to me. Today, however, I know that I am sacred, and I now know my true worth. Human trafficking for the purpose of sexual exploitation is organized crime. Yes, some may be more organized than others. However, the effects of sexual exploitation and the complex harm it causes its victims is very serious and can be deadly. The groomers, the pimps, the profiteers, and the buyers must be held accountable for these harms. According to Alerts 2022-23, annual report over a 12-month period a trafficker was arrested every 12 days in this province as long as the demand is high there will be more and more victims the time for talk on this issue is over let's take action together here are some ideas address buyer demand no buyers no business focus on efforts on healing recovery Justice and prevention. The average age of an online child exploitation victim is 13. Learn to spot the s- signs of targeting and grooming, and active exploitation. Employ survivors. Believe survivors. Help amplify our voices, like the Center of sex- Center to End All Sexual Exploitation, and not in my city does keep working together, involve survivors, our families, and our communities, harness the power of social media, develop inclusive campaigns. Regarding the cross-border nature of this issue, involve CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, and the FBI. And for our two-spirited relatives, are men and boys. They too are being targeted and groomed and exploited. We know that men and boys are also being groomed to become buyers and profiteers. This needs to be addressed. Again, I want to thank Elder Leonard again for your prayer and your blessing, and thank you for being here today. Hi, hi, Kanana Now I would like to invite my brother from another Mother Buffalo Bull Shield up to come say a few words.
3: Thank you, April Leave, Premier Smith, Deputy Ellis, Deputy Premier Ellis, esteemed colleagues, Elder Bastion, uh, task force members and special guests. Thank you for your advocacy, investment, support and dedication to combating human trafficking, one of Canada's fastest growing crimes. My name is Paul Brandt and as you've heard, Buffalo Bull Shield. I'm the former chair of the Alberta Human Trafficking Task Force, and the founder of Not In My City, a nonprofit which works to disrupt, prevent, and end sexual exploitation and trafficking of children and youth. We're a facilitative organization working to disrupt human trafficking by raising awareness, creating a platform for collective action, mobilizing communities, promoting preventative strategies, and facilitating transformational systems change. I'd like to thank the Not In My City team for their dedication, expertise, and tireless efforts on behalf of those directly impacted by human trafficking. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me and my wife Liz. This is a proud day for all of us and we celebrate this success together. I'd also like to thank Reach Edmonton and Native Counseling Services of Alberta for their commitment and partnership. Like three woven strands of sweetgrass. We're stronger together. Not in My City began our work six years ago with a survivor-focused approach, and we're thankful for all of our community partners, including law enforcement and all involved in the Alberta Provincial Human Trafficking Network, which Not in My City founded, and co-chairs, who've collaborated so diligently on behalf of victims and survivors of trafficking here in Alberta. In this short time, we've seen our community collectively step up to overcome gaps in understanding, strengthen and streamline existing systems, and create pathways to a more unified and universal approach to preventing, addressing, and suppressing human trafficking. There's an awakening happening in Alberta. There's a transformation taking place. I'm proud to be a part of a community who today is gathering to put forward a collective commitment in the fight against modern day slavery led by the testimonies of survivors of human trafficking today we're launching a new way to address and prevent this crime in alberta and beyond and in this moment it's the voices and experiences of those most deeply impacted by trafficking who we will amplify like a mexican labor trafficking survivor um, who comes to mind right now his experience was shared with the alberta human trafficking task force and upon being freed from exploitation here in Canada, this man said to investigators, and I quote, last night I went to bed a slave. This morning I woke up a free man. I think about people like Madison Fraser. In my role as chair of the Alberta Human Trafficking Task Force, together with members of that body, many of whom are here today, we heard from Madison's mother, Jennifer, about the terrible account of Madison losing her life to trafficking here in Alberta we resolved that a new way of addressing and suppressing human trafficking would be implemented in our province when we heard her story. Seeing the issue of trafficking through the lens of those who've been trafficked or directly impacted by trafficking has changed Alberta's approach to preventing and combating this crime. And people like April Eve, who've heard, who we have heard from today, also come to mind. April Eve has become a sister to me, one who consistently reminds me that with my indigenous name bestowed on me by Elder Bastion, that I have a responsibility and a privilege of serving indigenous children and populations who are disproportionately impacted by trafficking in Canada. April Eve is a strong and deliberate indigenous leader who courageously is walking her survivor's journey. She's pressed on through countless challenges and in doing so has inspired many others from her position of strength She doesn't find her identity in her past, but instead in her indigenous heritage, her hope for the future, and her infinite value as a unique and precious individual. She has been a warrior for this cause. And her perseverance is being rewarded today. Today's announcement comes as a direct result of the willingness of survivors of human trafficking to share their stories. April Eve, your story and the power of your voice is being heard. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership. And so we're gathered here today on the rooftop of Calgary's downtown Marriott Hotel to launch a new era in the fight against human trafficking for Albertans. The setting is appropriate as it displays the DNA of the Alberta office to combat trafficking in persons. An initiative which will combine the unique capabilities of government, private industry, frontline service providers, and the community in a new way which Canada has never seen. This made an Alberta approach uh, we will be working alongside industry and government and community leaders. Um, we're excited to be working alongside the Marriott today, as Marriott Hotels has long been a hospitality industry leader in the fight against human trafficking. Their commitment and investment is the type of focus and dedication needed from all stakeholders to truly transform the lives of those being exploited and to prevent trafficking from happening in the first place. We commend this government's resolve, and investment toward this innovative approach to combat human trafficking. To know better is to do better. And today, with this commitment to employ a best and most promising practice, survivor-centered and relational approach, fortifying Alberta against trafficking, we are setting the bar for the rest of Canada. Make no mistake, human trafficking is a dark topic and a difficult evil to comprehend. It is force, fraud, and coercion and the deliberate exploitation of another person's misery for profit. It can be hard to see solutions, but when we shine a light, there's hope. The formation of the Alberta Office to Combat Trafficking will shift the balance of power away from traffickers and those who would victimize and exploit vulnerable individuals in our communities. Thanks to this initiative and commitment, the seeds have been sown for a safer, trafficking-free future for all. With that, I'd like to introduce Marlene Orr, CEO of Native Counseling Services of Alberta, uh, to come and bring words. Thank you, Marlene.
4: Okay, Tansi. Thank you, Elder Bastien. We're starting us off today with a prayer and a blessing and a wonderful song. I am very honoured and humbled to stand in Treaty 7 territory, home of the Blackfoot, Diné, and Nakota Sioux. stand here with Premier Danielle Smith, Deputy Premier Ellis, uh, former co-chair of the task force, Chief Dale McPhee, April Eve, and other honoured guests. Today I stand proudly in partnership with the Alberta government, Reach Edmonton, and not in my city, to announce this unique initiative. Native Counselling Services of Alberta has been providing programs and services for Indigenous people developed by Indigenous people in the areas many areas of justice for over 53 years. NCSA has evolved from a court worker program assisting Indigenous people to navigate justice systems to an international leader in restorative and social justice. NCSA's 40 years of producing high-quality education, training, and resource materials is unparalleled by any organization in Canada. We look forward to leveraging our expertise, our connection to Indigenous people and communities across the province to address this very complex and challenging issues related to human trafficking. Working collectively with not in my city Under the leadership of Paul Brandt, who knows more about human trafficking than anyone else I know, and the experienced coordination of REACH Edmonton under the excellent leadership of Jan Fox, we will centre survivors in our work of bringing police, community, industry and agencies together to collectively address and eradicate human trafficking. Much gratitude to minister Ellis for moving forward on this issue through the establishment of the task force and the implementation of the recommendations in the reading stone report and the development of this unique office. Thank you so much to April Eve for sharing your personal experiences in a voice that has been clearly heard and acted on. We're all very proud of you. Thank you so much to Paul Brandt for his relentless pursuit of elimination of human trafficking. Honored today to be a part of this initiative and i'm very grateful that the province has heard and acted so swiftly on this issue hi hi now i'd like to introduce jan fox from
5: reach edmonton thank you marlene uh, premier smith minister ellis um, members of the task force that are here today and other distinguished guests i'm very pleased to be here on treaty seven for this historic occasion minister alice it's been said several times it needs to be said again your personal commitment and passion is absolutely inspiring and premier smith it means the world to us that you're here to share this day with us thank you both so very much we're so very proud to be part of this incredible innovative approach to combat human trafficking and to partner with not in my city and Native Counseling Services of Alberta. I also want to just take a second to make a special thanks to Marisol and Linnea from the department for making this happen in an absolute seamless fashion. Just a word about my organization. REACH's aim is to make Edmonton and indeed Alberta a safer place for everyone. We are a backbone organization, meaning our role is to support in every way possible the work of our partners who are closest to the ground, enabling them to focus on the issues at hand. Our strength is in engaging and convening diverse community partners to inform, pilot, and accelerate solutions for complex challenges. Human trafficking is, of course, a complex problem, and tackling it means multiple partners working together across sectors and leveraging our collective strengths and expertise. We will also be working with other existing organizations and programs that are working to end human trafficking. Key partners such as the city of Edmonton, Cease ACT Alberta, and our police partners, of course, Edmonton Police Service, Calgary Police Service, and the RCMP. We want to amplify what is already working in the community and be connectors when needed. We will facilitate and support community engagement and will help ensure the voices of survivors are front and center. And let me echo what others have said. Yes, April Eve, your voice has been heard. We have used this collective impact approach extensively and successfully through a number of programs in Edmonton, including a Safer Way Out program that works towards ending human trafficking and which relies very heavily on the voices of survivors. We know that this approach works. And to scale it up on a provincial level is a huge landmark. I had the honor of being part of the task force that the minister and uh, Paul spoke about. When I first met Paul, I immediately saw his passion for the work. He came to the REACH office to launch a new provincial network of service providers in the field of human trafficking, co-chaired by REACH in my City. As you can imagine, it was quite the event. Paul Brandt in the REACH office. But, you know, having said this, Everyone was instantly captivated by his compassion for people who had been victimized by human trafficking. People almost forgot he was a country superstar. Well, almost. He certainly had to sign autographs and do videos at the end. Uh, The task force that we have been referring to heard from multiple presenters from the community who work in human trafficking daily. Most importantly, we heard the voices of many, many survivors. It was these voices that shaped our recommendations. We learned human trafficking disproportionately affects indigenous women. And the first person I thought of when we were thinking how we could attack this was Marlene Orr from Native Counseling Services, Alberta. She and her team are the ones that get things done. They create movement and move things forward. The recommendation to create a provincial office to fight human trafficking effectively is being recognized here today, and we couldn't be more grateful. This will add huge capacity and momentum to prevent human trafficking and support survivors with a victim and survivor lens. In summing up, I really want to thank our partners, Native Counseling Services of Alberta and Not In My City, for your leadership in the community and partnership in making this happen. Working with these two organizations has truly been the highlight of my career. I cannot imagine a better partnership. Thanks again so much to the government of Alberta for supporting this, for the the work of the task force and this initiative and our collective vision. We look forward to getting to work. Thank you so much.
6: We'll now go into our media Q&A. Thank you to all of our speakers there. We'll be going with one question, one follow-up today. And we'll be starting off here in person and then headed over to the phones. I would ask those here in person if those if those with on-topic questions could please line up at the mic first, just in front of myself here, and then we'll go over to the phones after we're finished in person. Right. Uh, Aaron with Live Bar Calgary, a uh, question for Minister Ellis. Sure. Uh, Minister Ellis, how many staff members are going to be uh, in this office, and when can we expect the office to be fully operational?
1: Well, that's a, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Uh, Paul, do you have any operational answers uh, to that?
3: Thanks for that. And, uh, thank you, uh, Deputy Minister. Um, the, the early stages of the planning for the office are just underway right now. And so um, as a part of our discussions with our partners in government and with the tripartite as well, uh, we'll be um, putting together a more robust structure uh, to identify exactly who is going to be uh, in the office and, and how many people will, will need to be there to
1: ensure we're uh, doing the work that needs to be done here. Thanks. I think the only thing I would supplement with that to what the Paul was saying there is, is that you know communication is how we have an effective operation. So right now, you know, Paul and his team and all the wonderful people that are going to be associated with this. Um, they're just making sure that, um, uh, as many of our speakers indicated, that we make sure that we're connecting with all the right uh, stakeholders so that, that we're all involved. That's the only way we're going to solve this, is everybody's involved in this. Yeah.
6: So. And I apologize. I do have an off cop question for the Premier. Um, Calgary Skyview MP Georgia Hall's call for the ending of federal funding towards the Calgary Stampede and any kind of federal support. What is your reaction to that?
0: Well, I would say that the... Uh, the tragedy of what happened at Young Canadians was well known and uh, I, I think that we need to make sure that kids are protected and that adults in organizations that are responsible for kids have protections in place. So we have asked the Calgary Stampede and the Young Canadians to tell us what they have done over the years to make sure that uh, children are not exploited or, or victimized that way. And I I look forward to to their response. And we'll go to our next question at the mic here.
6: My question's for uh, Paul Brandt. So Mr. Brandt, you've been involved for some time with uh, fighting human trafficking with all your advocacy. How has this advocacy changed your life?
3: I would say that the way that human trafficking has changed my life began with the first exposure to trafficking. Um, My wife and I had seen a a documentary um, that was called Children for Sale that spotlighted the issue of human trafficking, and it wasn't on our radar at that time. Not long after we had the opportunity to travel overseas and we saw trafficking activity, the trafficking of children, happen firsthand. It was a very traumatic experience, as you can imagine, for those children who were being exploited some six to eight times a day by adult men. It was also traumatic for my wife and for myself, um, seeing um, that victimization with seemingly no um, uh, no interaction in any way that was intervening on their behalf. And so it became a part of our lives. And we continued to lean in. So I would say that our intersection with human trafficking changed our lives Uh, in a way where I think as a father uh, I asked myself the question how will I teach my son to be a respectful um, young man in in relation to the way that he addresses and interacts with women Uh, but the main thing for me was when I thought about my daughter Uh, I wanted to give her a really good answer when she was um, old enough to ask the question daddy when you saw trafficking what did you do about it we all have um, I would say, different capacities to affect change in relation to the issue of human trafficking. But once we know about it, we all have the same responsibility. And uh, so it's taken me on a journey that I never would have expected. Very unusual journey, I would say, for a country singer. Um, but it's definitely a personal journey that uh, has made a d- deep impact in my life. And I'm honored to be working on behalf of trafficking victims and survivors.
6: Okay, and I have a follow-up this is for Premier Smith.
2: So, Premier Smith, uh, the city
6: of Saskatoon has announced that they're going to be renaming a street uh, named after Sir
0: John A. Macdonald uh, because for truth and reconciliation. What do you think about that? I've asked my Minister of Infrastructure, Pete Guthrie to uh, work with culture, arts and culture, Tanya Fur, to develop a naming policy and protocol around around buildings and streets so that we can be proactive in, in being able to um, address any issues and make sure that we've got a, a naming protocol that's going to stand the test of time. So I will uh, leave it to them to do their work and make some recommendations to us. Thanks, Jonathan. And we'll go to our next question at the mic.
1: Hi, Cami uh, Kepke, Global News. My question is for Premier Smith. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the province has reached out to Stampede to uh, talk to them about what has been done there. Uh, could you give us a little clarification on the funding Stampede receives from the province and
5: whether the province will be looking at whether it continues to provide any funding?
0: We'll continue to supporting the Stampede, yes. It's the, uh, um, the premier festival in Alberta. We just had an, a very glorious and exciting and successful 10 days the, the issue about exploiting children and making sure children are safe is an issue young Canadians has to answer. And I can tell you what I hear from other uh, youth groups. They have in place protocols to make sure that there is a criminal record check for anyone who is involved in uh, a direct contact with children. They have annual training for adults on how the proper way to interact with children, and they also have protocols to make sure that no child is ever alone in a room with an adult, and so those would be the kind of things I would be asking young Canadians to let us know, so that they can address the issue. Remember, this was reported in 2014, so the the, the perpetrator has been has been held to held to justice. But to make sure that there aren't any ongoing problems, I would fully expect that those would be the kind of protocols that are in, uh, that are in place there.
1: And the other one for me. Uh... A doctor's clinic in Marteloup has been going to uh, paid services four days a week. I'm curious about your thoughts on this and the precedent it sets.
0: Well, it won't set a precedent because we won't let it happen. There is, uh, uh, I signed a, a protocol with the federal government for 10 years committing to the principles of the Canada Health Act. That means that you cannot charge to access insured services. If that's what they are doing, they will be shut down, they will be fined, or they will not, we will withhold payments to them. So it won't be allowed to happen.
2: Premier Smith, for you as well, please. (laughs) What's your message to Albertans as the RRO reaches record highs, being that one of your campaign promises was to protect them from sky-high
0: utility rates? My message is this is what happens when ideology runs a power grid. What we're dealing with today are a leftover and a hangover from poor decisions by the NDP. They phased out coal too early. Coal was a a long-term a sustainable way to provide low power. They, they phased it out early costing billions of dollars. We are still going to be paying hundreds of millions of dollars until 2030 for the stranded assets because of that investment. At the same time, they for some reason felt that they could bring on an equivalent amount of wind and solar and get the same amount of power as coal and you cannot do that. Wind and solar are intermittent and so we have had to build additional redundancy that costs money. In addition, coal and natural gas plants are 800 megawatts. The typical wind and solar is 20 or 50 megawatts, which requires massively more transmission and distribution to be built. And as a result, because of intermittency, redundancy, early phase out of coal, we are now at a point, four years later, where people are paying up to 32 cents per kilowatt hour for power. We are not going to allow this to continue to happen. That's why we oppose the federal government's plan to get to a net zero power grid by 2035. The most recent report that was put out said that would cost $1.7 trillion. I haven't even seen an estimate of how much that would increase our power bills, but I'm told it could be up to five times higher. So if anybody is wondering why we are battling so hard with the federal government to make sure that we have a reasonable period of time to phase in lower emission source of power, this is why. It's because ideology from the NDP and their federal counterparts in the liberal party have created the problem that we have today and we're going to fix it
2: that's my only question thank, thank you.
0: you thank you
7: rick bell Calgary's son. i'm not that tall but I'm a little taller
0: do you want to talk to me or do you want to talk yes to see, oh, of course you may <laughs> as well stay up
7: there well you're talking about bills so i am talking about people's bills except this is something you have control over insurance yeah. auto insurance the provinces, the provinces automobile insurance rate board has a consumer report out now which shows recently released shows that albertans are increasingly upset about the continued increases in premiums even to people who have clean records and in fact very few albertans agree with the statement that premiums are fair and reasonable just so you know the number is four percent
0: i've been reading your columns yes so they're aware
7: Therefore, you know, and I, and you know, I talked about this with you at Christmas, and you were very uh, much committed to a change. So, could you tell me what do you think in relate when you hear uh, from Albertans through this report about their continued, you know, disdain for what's happening in the insurance business? There is no
0: question that the insurance premiums in Alberta. Our problem. We used to be able to have the lowest rates in the country, and it's not the case now. So, we had uh, a pause on the year over year increases. We're not allowing insurance companies to increase insurance premiums until we've had a chance to do a review. We had an interruption on that with the, um, with the election and with the new finance minister. But uh, as, as recently as last week, I said it's time to get going. Let's uh, figure out what some of the recommendations will be for how we can bring rates down. We put it to the insurers. Tell us what you think you can do to assess to assist us in bringing these rates down for not only auto but also for property, and so that process is underway. Um, I, I haven't received a briefing yet from um, minister, the minister of finance about some of the recommendations he has coming forward, but I, I did just put in a call to his office next week and said, "Let's let's accelerate this. We've got we've got to get some answers for people."
7: And my supplementary, Mr. Speaker, is. Uh, <laughs> what will that look like in other words your mandate letter that the mandate letter you sent to the minister says you want to make it auto well insurance more affordable what is your definition of what a more affordable means does that mean because i know one of the insurance companies the insurance companies basically say "We'll we'll keep the rates low but we'll give you less coverage well yeah right but so what is your thought about what that will look like by the end of the year well, obviously you're gonna make a decision.
0: I can tell you a couple and, things and,
7: and yeah. what do you think of insurance companies who threaten Albertans saying we might pull out if you're not nice to us? You well, read both of those.
0: I did I did read both of those. And you put into context how few uh people are covered by the one that, that threatened to pull out. Look, here's here's what people expect. People expect that if they have a clean driving record, no accidents, and no speeding tickets, that the rates are going to keep going down. That's what people expect. That's how insurance is supposed to work. And that's not what's happened. And one of the issues was that we now, we've done the reversal of who pays the cost when an an accident happens. So if you out drive a very expensive car and somebody rear ends you, then you pay for the uh, repair of your own vehicle. That's why a lot of people saw their prices go up, is that even though they had a clean driving record and they also had uh, uh, no accidents, They were seeing their rates go up just because of the value of the vehicle they drove. Most people think, you know what, the guy who hits me should be the guy who pays. So I think we have to revisit that policy. I think we also need to talk to to, um, auto manufacturers. It used to be that fender benders, which are the most common type of accident, were cheap to repair. Now they've got all the cameras and all this hidden damage in it. <laughs> uh, I know because I got, a, I got rear-ended too, and it was a $10,000 repair bill. So we've got to be talking to the uh, auto industry about whether or not there's a better way for them to, to be building all those extra features in. And then we also, of course, the uh, insurance industry um, raises the issue of whether um, uh, people are inappropriately using the, um, the legal system in order to get um, a payout. And I I think I want to see a little more evidence on that. And finally, I think we have to be mindful that uh, in this province, we have a a lot of risk grading happening because of our natural disasters. We had the Slave Lake fires, the Southern Alberta floods. We had hail storms, ice storms, more fires up in Fort McMurray. And we have to to, uh, talk to the industry about whether there's a, a better way for us to share the risk of those kinds of disasters as they occur. Because we know the federal government steps in when those kind of disasters happen. And if they're paying uh, high premiums today on the basis of what might happen in the future, maybe there's a way that we can have a conversation about better risk sharing. So those are the things I'm looking at.
7: And the threats about them leaving?
0: You you know what? Uh, I think... I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, This is... There's obviously a lucrative market here uh, because we're one of the few markets that operate on a free enterprise system. And so I think we want to work collaboratively to make sure that it's still a competitive market, but that, it, that, that people who are being insured, which, by the way, is a mandate. You have to have insurance if you've got a bank loan on your house, and you have to have insurance if, you have, if you're driving a vehicle. Because it's a mandated product, you bet the government has a role in making sure that those prices are reasonable.
6: Thanks, Rick. And now we have enough time for a couple questions from the phone. Uh, operator, could you put through the first caller, please?
4: And mail. Uh, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Yeah. It's for the Um Senior, you mentioned that you've asked Stampede for information on their protocols. Can you give us a little bit more um, color on that? When you asked for that,
2: what department that went through? Sort of the the process was.
0: Well, I asked yesterday. Um, for, uh, for my staff to look into giving me some answers on what their protocols are. And I, I would say that Young Canadians is the most important um, uh, agency within their purview that needs to answer these questions because Young Canadians is the one that had the offender in question. Young Canadians were, was the one who, uh, who allowed him to operate as he did until finally it was reported on in 2014. And Young Canadians is at the front line of making sure that all adults who are working with children are doing so in a way that is that is safe. So I don't have answers yet from from what Young Canadians' protocols are, but that's what I'm seeking. That's what I'm looking for.
4: And you had mentioned that you're not considering something like suspending funding because of this. And so I'm curious if the answers
5: are not to your satisfaction, um, what do you plan to do, where your jurisdiction or your authority comes from
3: to make such inquiries?
0: Well, I mean it is our responsibility to make sure that kids are safe and that these protocols exist. They exist in other organizations to make sure that, that children are protected. I mean we're here today because we want to make sure that children and youths and women are protected. So we uh, have an all of government approach to this, this type of problem. And I, I remember, like, let's put it into context, this was reported in 2014. And I would hope that in the nine intervening years that they uh, have developed the same kind of protocols that every other organization that protects youths have, have dealt with. So I know that this story is, is now out in the media because of uh, the comments of, of uh, MP Chahal. But I would say that we have to get some, advi- some evidence of, uh, from young Canadians that they've taken this seriously and and put those those protocols in place so kids are safe
6: thank you carrie and we have time for just one more question operator could you put through the last caller please hi there uh my question here is for um minister ellis uh, certainly with the human trafficking this announcement today a lot of focus has been on you know, things that happen in the big cities, but this is a crime that can and does happen in kind of smaller centers and rural areas, that kind of thing. So with this uh, announcement today of this uh, Office to Combat uh, Human Trafficking, how will this help in uh, dealing with this uh, issue when it happens in rural areas?
1: Well, thanks for the question. It's a coordinated approach, right? That's why we have members here from our two large cities, with Calgary and Edmonton, but we also have members of the RCMP here as well. Um, And it's all about that that communication, right? You have to communicate in order to have an effective operation. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of these offenders uh, like to, you know, set up their shops, uh, whether it be drugs or trafficking or whatever the case may be, sometimes in those rural rural communities uh, to kind of hide and then um, send those uh, victims out into the large municipalities in order to commit those crimes. So, you know, it's about having the communication between the law enforcement and having the center that uh, um, not in my city is, is going to be operating here. Is, is going to be just a phenomenal resource uh, for victims. It's going to be a phenomenal resource for law enforcement uh, to make sure we have a coordinated approach to this.
6: And did you have a follow-up, Kyle? Yes, and uh, kind of as a uh, follow up to that uh, certainly, there are many incidents of human trafficking that don't really go reported. Do you think that you know having just uh, sort of more of this kind of resource available will help in uh, kind of raising awareness uh, of this issue?
1: Uh, well, a simple answer to that is yes um, you know we we talk about the awareness right, and um, that's why we're here uh, that's why. Um, you know, we have uh, the people that we have standing behind me at this moment here is, is to raise this awareness. I mean, this is this is uh, if not should be the, really the top story that we're talking about here right now. Um, we have uh, young girls disproportionately uh, are our friends in the indigenous communities, uh, boys, women, uh, girls that are are being trafficked as we speak today. Um, that uh, are are getting involved uh, with uh, drugs Um, you know this is a lot of people don't know this This is what the predators do right they get these poor kids uh, hooked on uh, alcohol and drugs and and you know what this is this is why what this government is going to be doing in the future when we talk about compassionate care and that's gonna be a tool in the toolbox that's gonna be a tool in the toolbox for families where they might have uh, some young person that they have, uh, a loved one that they might have that is being preyed upon by uh, a human trafficker, and uh, they get them hooked on these drugs, and they're gonna be able to to be able to, um, uh, intervene through the courts to get that, that child into some sort of recovery. Um, I mean, this is, this is a, a, you know, it was said here before, it's a complex problem, but I, I would say this, this is what we're doing here in Alberta, this is what we do in Alberta, we lead the way and we're going to be leading the way in human trafficking. And, and Paul and his team uh, should be commended for the hard work that they have done uh, with. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. And as I said in my first comment, this will be a role model that other jurisdictions in Canada, that other jurisdictions around the world are going to look at, look at and say, ah, this is it. This is how we're going to be able to tackle
6: this this issue that we have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Minister, and thank you, Kyle. That will conclude today's Media Q&A. Thank you, everyone, for joining us.